Chapter Twenty Nine of Miss Marjoribanks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Miss Marjoribanks by Mrs. Oliphant. Chapter Twenty Nine. Miss Marjoribanks prepared her toilette the next evening to take tea with the Lakes with greater care than she would have spent upon a party of much greater pretensions she was to be sure dressed as usual in the white dress high which she had brought into fashion in carlingford but then that simple evening toilette required many adjuncts which were not necessary on other occasions seeing that this time she was going to walk to her destination and had in her mind the four distinct aims of pleasing rose of dazzling barbara of imposing upon mr cavendish and finally of being as always in harmony with herself she was as punctual to the hour and minute of her engagement as if she had been a queen and indeed it was with a demeanour as gracious that she entered the little house in grove street where naturally there had been also sundry preparations made for her visit mr lake himself who had postponed his usual walk and was taking his tea an hour later than usual received his young visitor with all the suavity natural to him and as for barbara she did the honours with a certain suppressed exultation and air of triumph which proved to lucilla that her plan was indeed an inspiration of genius as for rose it would be impossible to describe what were her sensations her faith still failed her at that momentous hour she was sceptical of lucilla and naturally of all the world and regarded everybody with jealous scrutiny and expectation and distrust as was natural to a young conspirator she was profoundly excited and curious to know what miss marjoribanks meant to do and at the same time she did not believe in miss marjoribanks and was almost disposed to betray and interfere with her if such treachery had been possible it was rose lucilla specially came to visit and yet rose was the only one who was cool to her and did not seem fully to appreciate her condescension but then happily miss marjoribanks was magnanimous and at the same time had a design to support her which was much more comprehensive and of larger application than anything that had entered into the mind of rose lake i am proud to see you in my house miss marjoribanks said mr lake i have always considered your excellent father one of my best friends i am not able to give my children the same advantages but i have always brought them up not to have any false pride we have no wealth but we have some things which cannot be purchased by wealth said the drawing-master with mild grandeur and he looked round upon the walls of his parlour which were hung with his own drawings and where one of willie's held the place of honour in all carlingford there was no other house that enjoyed a similar distinction and consequently it was with a delicious sense of chivalrous deference yet equality that the exceptional man of grove street received the young sovereign of grange lane i am so glad to come mr lake said lucilla it is so nice to be among such old friends and besides that you know there never was any voice that suited mine like barbara's and that dear old rose was always my pet at mount pleasant i should have come long ago if anybody had ever asked me said miss marjoribanks and as for mr lake 
he was so overpowered by this implied reproach upon his hospitality that he scarcely knew how to reply my dear miss marchbanks if you have not been asked it has been from no want of of good will said mr lake anxiously i do not know what the girls can have been thinking of you see rose's genius takes another line and barbara naturally has a great many things to think of but in the future i hope oh yes i shall come without being asked said lucilla and when the tea came it was all she could do to keep herself quiet and remember that she was a visitor and not take it out of the incapable hands of barbara who never gave her father the right amount of sugar in his tea to tell the truth barbara's thoughts were occupied by a very different subject and even rose had but little attention to spare for her papa's comforts at that special moment but lucilla's larger mind embraced everything she sat with her very fingers itching to cut the bread and butter for him and give him a cup of tea as he liked it and asked herself with indignation what was the use of that great creature with her level eyebrows and her crimson bloom who could not take the trouble to remember that three lumps was what mr lake liked miss marjoribanks had never taken tea with him before but his second cup had she dispensed it would have been exactly to his taste which was a thing barbara had not learned to make in all these years no wonder that a certain sense of contemptuous indignation arose for one moment even in the calm and impartial bosom of genius perhaps rose would not have done much better but then rose was good for something else which was always a set-off on the other side thus it will be seen that lucilla had a respect for use even of a kind which in her own person she did not much appreciate as became a person of a truly enlightened mind but a creature who was of no earthly good irritated her well-regulated spirit for to be sure the possession of a fine contralto which is at the same time not fine enough to be made of use of professionally is not a matter of sufficient moment in this world to excuse a young woman for not knowing how to give her father a comfortable cup of tea it was nearly nine o'clock before mr lake went out for his walk and by that time it was almost dark and the lamp outside was lighted which was not far from the door lucilla had taken a seat near the window with a view of witnessing everything and it cannot be denied that she felt a little excited when barbara went out of the room after her father leaving rose alone with her guest miss marchbanks's heart gave a beat or two the more in the first minute though before the next had passed it had fallen into its usual measure there were no candles as yet in the parlour and naturally grove street or at least the bit of it which lay before the window lighted by the lamp outside and relieved against a little square of bluish-green sky which intervened between miss hemming's house and that of old mr wrangle on the opposite side was very clear to the interested spectator there was nobody visible but an organ-man who was grinding a popular melody very dolorously out of his box in what rose would have called the middle distance and beyond miss jane hemmings looking out of the long staircase window and three little boys in different attitudes below that is if one did not count a tall figure which perhaps with a view of listening to the music of the organ was coming and going in a limited circuit round the light of the lamp how convenient it is to have the lamp so near said lucilla oh don't light any candles please it is so nice to sit in the dark 
where is barbara i wonder let us have some music and put down that dreadful organ i hope she has not gone out and where are you you sulky little rose she has gone upstairs said rose who began to feel all the enormity of her conduct in thus betraying her sister i hate sitting in the dark i hate being a spy come in from the window lucilla now you are here my dear rose said miss marjoribanks i think you forget a little for my part i do not understand what being a spy means barbara knows very well i am here i should scorn to take an advantage of anybody for my part if she does not bring him past the very window and under my eyes ah yes that is just what i thought said lucilla with gentle satisfaction but by this time poor little rose had roused herself into an innocent fury what is just as you thought said rose laying an impatient grasp on miss marchbanks arm come in from the window lucilla this moment this moment oh me to think it should be my doing oh lucilla don't be so mean and shabby and wretched i tell you to come in come in directly if you do not shut the window and come and sit here in the corner i will never never speak to you again miss marchbanks as was natural took no notice of this childish fury she was sitting just where she had been sitting all the evening within sight of the street lamp and the organ grinder and miss jane hemmings at the staircase window just where barbara had placed her and where the young woman calculated on finding her when she made a promenade of triumph up the partially lighted street by the side of her clandestine suitor perhaps barbara had seen miss jane as well and knew that public opinion was thus watching over her but at all events she was not at all ashamed of herself or indignant at being spied upon on the contrary it was a kind of apotheosis for barbara only second to the grand and crowning triumph which would be accomplished in carlingford church under the shadow of that veil of real brussels which grew more and more real every day thus neither the actors in the drama nor the principal spectator were in the smallest degree disturbed by horror or shame or sense of guilt excepting always the fanciful little rose who suffered for everybody who could have wished that the earth would open and swallow up barbara and her lover who could have slaughtered lucilla on the spot and given herself over to any kind of torture for her treachery naturally nobody paid any sort of attention to rose barbara for her part took her admirer's arm in the twilight with a swelling of exultation which the gaining of the very highest prize in the department of ornamental art could scarcely have conveyed to the bosom of the little artist and lucilla put back her small assailant softly with her hand and smoothed down her ruffled plumes my dear it is miss hemmings that is spying said lucilla and poor barbara would be so disappointed if i were to go away from the window have patience just a little longer there's a dear it's all exactly as i thought and then there followed a pause which was a terrible pause for rose the organ-grinder stopped his doleful ditty and there was scarcely any sound to be heard in the street except the footsteps approaching and retiring the measured tread of two people occupied with each other 
going now more slowly now more quickly as the humour seized them or as their conversation grew in interest even the sound of their voices came by times to the auditors barbarous with an occasional laugh or tone of triumph and the other deeper with which rose had but little acquaintance but which was perfectly known to lucilla all this time while her companion sat panting in the dark corner miss marjoribanks was looking to the joints of her harness and feeling the edge of her weapons for after all it was no small enterprise upon which she was going forth she was going to denounce the faithless knight to his face and take him out of the hands of the enchantress and show him his true dangers and at the same time vindicate his honour a more disinterested enterprise was never undertaken by any knight-errant and yet at the same time lucilla could not help entertaining a certain involuntary contempt for the man who had deserted her own standard to put himself under that of barbara lake and who was being paraded up and down here without knowing it to gratify the vanity of his new sovereign and make an exhibition of his weakness lucilla would have been more than mortal if she had not felt the difference between her own rule which would have been all for his good and the purely egotistical sway of barbara but this pity mingled with disdain in miss marjoribanks magnanimous mind she sat quite still for so long that barbara grew quite intoxicated with her triumph it is perhaps the last time lucilla said to herself with a movement of compassion and the breath of her human sympathy was such that she waited till the very latest moment and let the deluded young woman have the full enjoyment of her imaginary victory then miss marjoribanks rose with a certain solemnity and put on her hat and gave an unappreciated kiss to rose who kept in her corner good night i am going said lucilla the words were simple enough but yet they rang in rose's ears like the signal of a conspiracy when the calm leader of the expedition went forth sensible of the importance of her mission but tranquil as great minds always are in a moment of danger rose got up too and followed trembling in every limb she was capable of having thrown herself upon the spears in her own person in a sudden elan of indignation and passion but she was not capable of waiting till the right moment and meeting her antagonists in reasonable combat miss marjoribanks went out deliberately without any unnecessary haste sweeping into the dusky twilight with her virginal white draperies it was a very ordinary scene and yet even in the midst of her excitement rose could not help observing involuntarily its pictorial qualities if only any painter could have transferred to his canvas the subdued musical hum of surrounding life the fragrance of the mignonette and the peaceful stillness of the summer night for there was the sky green-blue looking across lambent and wistful from the vacant space between miss hemmings and mr wrangles and the dusky twilight shadows below and the yellow gleam of the lamp and barbara's exulting triumphant figure and the white robes of the avenging angel rose could not have observed all this if she had not been stilled into a kind of breathless awe by the solemn character of the situation which struck her as being somehow like one of millais's pictures as for the lovers they had just turned at the moment that miss marjoribanks came out and consequently met her straight in the face as she stood suave and smiling at the little garden door it is mr cavendish said lucilla 
i am so glad i have been hoping and trying to see you for ever so long and as soon as i ever heard you talking i felt sure it was your voice this was the greeting she addressed to barbara lake's lover for his part he stood before her growing red and growing pale struck dumb by the unlooked-for meeting and with such a sense of being ashamed of himself as never before had entered his mind though no doubt he had done worse actions in his day even barbara had not calculated upon this open encounter and instead of giving him any assistance as was a woman's duty in such a case she only tossed her head and giggled with an embarrassment which was more pride than shame as for mr cavendish he would have liked to disappear under the pavement if it had been possible for once he and rose were agreed if a gulf had opened before him he would have jumped into it without ever pausing to ask himself why and yet all the time miss marjoribanks was standing close by him looking as placid as if she had been in her own drawing-room and expecting his reply to her friendly observations when he realized that he ought to say something mr cavendish felt that he had as much need to wipe his forehead as ever the archdeacon had he turned hot and cold and felt his mind and his tongue frozen and could not find a word to say with a sudden horror he woke up like one of Camus's revellers and found himself changed into the likeness of the creature he consorted with if he had found an ass's head on his shoulders he could not have felt more startled and horrified than when he heard himself in the imbecility of the moment giggle like barbara and answer to lucilla's remark oh yes it was my voice i am very sorry to separate you from barbara said miss marjoribanks but she is at home you know and i want so much to talk to you barbara good-night i want mr cavendish to walk home with me rose don't stand in the garden and catch cold thank you dear for such a pleasant evening said lucilla pressing another kiss upon her little friend's unwilling cheek when she had done this she put out her hand to barbara and passed her sweeping her white garments through the narrow gateway she took mr cavendish's arm as if he had been a young brother come to fetch her let us go round by the chapel said miss marjoribanks i have so much to say to you be sure to practice for thursday barbara and bid your papa good-night for me this was how she carried off mr cavendish finally out of barbara's very fingers and under her very eyes when the two sisters were left standing together at the door they could do nothing but stare at each other in the extremity of their amazement rose for her part stood there but a moment and then feeling by far the guiltiest and most miserable of the whole party ran upstairs to her own room and cried as if her heart would break barbara on the contrary who was past crying stood still at the door and watched lucilla's white dress disappearing on the way to grange lane with indescribable emotions a young woman cannot call the police or appeal to the crier when it is her lover whom she has lost but to see him carried off by the strong hand to watch him gradually going away and disappearing from her eyes to hear his steps withdrawing into the distance was such a trial as few are called upon to bear she stood and looked after him and could not believe her eyes and then it was all so sudden an affair of a moment barbara could not realize how the world had turned round and this revolution had been effected 
one minute she had been leaning on his arm triumphant making a show and exhibition of him in the pride of her heart though he did not know it and the next was not she standing here watching him with a blank countenance and despairing heart while lucilla had pounced upon him and carried him off in her cruel grasp the blow was so sudden that barbara stood speechless and motionless till the two departing figures had vanished into the darkness would he come back again to-morrow or was he gone for ever and ever such were the thoughts of the forsaken maiden as she stood paralyzed under this sudden change of fortune at her father's door if some cruel spectator had thrown into the fire that veil of brussels which her imagination had so long played and barbara had stood heart-struck watching the filmy tissue dissolve into ashes before her eyes her sense of sudden anguish could not have been more acute and yet after all barbara's pangs were nothing to those of mr cavendish as he felt miss marjoribanks's light touch on his arm and felt his doomed feet turn in spite of himself in the most dangerous direction and became conscious that he was being led beyond all possibility of resistance back to grange lane and to his fate to be sure it was dark which was one consolation but it was not dark enough to conceal lucilla's white dress nor the well-known form and lineaments of the young monarch of grange lane in whose company nobody could pass unobserved mr cavendish could have faced danger by sea and land with the average amount of courage but the danger of the walk down the little street which afterwards led to st roke's and up the embowered stillness of grange lane was more than he was equal to he could not be sure of making a single step by these garden walls without meeting somebody who knew him somebody whose curiosity might ruin him in carlingford or even without the risk of encountering in the face that arch-enemy who would not go away and whose presence had banished him from the place it may be supposed that under these terrible circumstances mr cavendish's thoughts of barbara who had got him into this scrape were far from lover-like he was a man universally popular among ladies and who owed a great deal of the social consideration which he prized so highly to this fact and yet the most gentle sentiment in his mind at that moment was a confound these women which he breathed to himself all low and deep as he went slowly along by lucilla's side as for miss marjoribanks as may be supposed her thoughts were of a very much more serious description than anything her unlucky cavalier was thinking of and a minute or two passed in silence before she could make up her mind to speak i have been thinking a great deal about you lately and wishing very much to see you said lucilla did not mrs woodburn tell you i think i should have written to you had i known your address and i am sure you would have made me the happiest of men said the victim with rueful politeness what had i done to deserve such a privilege but my sister did not tell me she left me to hear it from your own yes said miss marchbanks with a certain solemnity interrupting him i have been thinking a great deal and hearing a great deal about you mr cavendish when she had said this lucilla sighed and her sigh found a terrible echo in her hearer's bosom she knew that he had turned green in the darkness as he gave an anxious look at her but he was too much alarmed to give her an opportunity of studying his face <laughs> hearing of me he said and tried to laugh what have my kind friends been saying 
and for one moment the sufferer tried to delude himself that it was some innocent gossip about barbara which might be circulating in grange lane hush said lucilla don't laugh please for i want to have a very serious talk i have been hearing about you from some very very old friends mr cavendish not anything about this you know miss marjoribanks added waving her hand in the direction of grove street and then barbara lake and everything connected with her vanished like a shadow from the unfortunate man's mind it was horribly ungrateful on his part but it was as miss marjoribanks would have said just what might have been expected and how they always behave he had no longer any time or patience for the object which had been giving occupation and interest to his solitude he woke up in a moment and gave a passing curse to his folly and faced the real danger as he best could you must be making a mistake miss marjoribanks he said with some bitterness it should have been very very old enemy i know who it is it is that archdeacon you ladies make such a fuss about it is he who has been telling lies about me said mr cavendish he breathed a deep hard breath as he spoke and the blood came back to his face perhaps for the first moment he felt satisfied and breathed freer after it was over but at the same time it was very dreadful to him to feel that he was found out and that henceforward grange lane would shut its doors and avert his countenance if you take his word for it i may give in at once he continued bitterly a parson will say anything they are as bad as as women this the poor man said in his despair because he did not know what he was saying for in reality he knew that women had been his best friends and that he had still a chance if the judgment was to rest with them you are very ungrateful to say so said miss marjoribanks but it is only because you are excited i suppose no mr cavendish it was not the archdeacon on the contrary it was a lady and she said nothing but good of you said lucilla and then there was a pause as for mr cavendish it would be altogether impossible to describe the state of his mind he was like a man suddenly reprieved but giddy with the shock and feeling the halter still round his neck and knowing that he had himself undermined the ground on which he was standing it was lucilla who supported him in the shock of the moment for all his self-command could not keep him from a momentary shiver and stagger when he found that things were not so bad as he thought a lady and she said nothing but good he muttered under his breath and then he made an effort to recover himself pardon me i cannot guess who my unknown friend may be it is very soothing to one's feelings to be spoken well of by a lady said mr cavendish and he laughed again in a discordant unsteady way as for lucilla she regarded him through all these fluctuations with a natural pity and at the same time with the calmness of a knowledge which was aware of all and had nothing more to discover and at the end mr cavendish in the midst of his agitation perceived her calm and the absence of wonder and curiosity in her face and began to perceive that he had something very serious to deal with more serious even than he had at first supposed i am going to tell you all about it said miss marjoribanks but in the meantime wait a minute and let me speak to you first i have something to say it was for this they stopped short at the foot of grange lane just where the land was already parcelled out for st roque's 
what lucilla was going to say was too important to be spoken while walking and naturally she withdrew her hand from mr cavendish's arm they were both so much absorbed that they did not see anybody coming nor indeed had any attention to spare for external affairs the blood had deserted mr cavendish's face and he was once more green with anxiety and inquietude he stood facing her feeling that the crisis of his fate had come and not knowing whether it was absolute despair or a faint dawning of hope that possessed him if he had been the most passionate of lovers and if she had held in her hands the dreadful alternative between rapture and misery there could not have been a more rapt and absorbing attention in mr cavendish's face i want to tell you first of all that you must have confidence in me said lucilla you must have confidence in me we can do nothing without that i know everything mr cavendish miss marjoribanks added compassionately everything but nobody else knows it i hope i can arrange everything if it is left in my hands this is what i wanted to tell you first of all before everything you must have confidence in me what mr cavendish might have answered to this solemn appeal it would be in vain to imagine for the truth was he was stopped before he could utter a word he was stopped and seized by the hand and greeted with a frankness which was perhaps all the more loud and cordial from what appeared to the newcomer the comic character of the situation it is cavendish by jove the intruder exclaimed waving his hand to some people who were coming on behind him i beg a thousand pardons for disturbing you my dear fellow but they all talk about you so that i was determined to make sure it was you good heavens miss marjoribanks general travers added taking off his hat it was mr and mrs centum who were coming down behind him she with a light shawl thrown over her head tempted out by the beauty of the evening and lucilla saw in a moment the consequences of this encounter and how it would be over all carlingford before to-morrow morning that she and mr cavendish were betrothed at the very least miss marjoribanks had all her wits about her as ever fortunately for both yes it is me she said calmly i have been taking tea with the lakes and i made mr cavendish give me his arm home he did not like being found out to be sure but he could not help himself and we all know about that lucilla added with a smile taking once more the unfortunate man's arm oh yes we all know said mrs centum with a laugh but yet notwithstanding everybody felt sure that it was all lucilla's cleverness and that barbara lake was a myth and fiction and it was thus that with miss marjoribanks leaning on his arm and general travers in all the warmth of renewed friendship guarding him on the other side mr cavendish whose head was in a whirl of excitement and who did not know what he was doing was led back in triumph past colonel chiley's very door where the archdeacon was lying in wait to crunch his bones back from all his aberrations into the very heart of grange lane End of chapter twenty nine recording by marisol quee